847 is 366 and 7. Hello and welcome to A Score to Settle, a podcast about movie and TV music. I'm your host, Brian McVicker. Each episode, I focus on music composed for film and television, whether through analyzing a specific score, taking a deep dive into a particular composer's career, or by way of interviews with guests, both those in the industry and also fellow fans. On this episode, I am joined by Neil S. Bulk, soundtrack album producer and editor. I had Neil on the podcast last year to talk about several of the projects he's worked on for various record labels, such as La La Land Records, and I invited him back to talk about uh, his notable um, album projects from 2018. Welcome back to the show, Neil. Thank you for having me, Brian. I'm glad you're I able love, to have time. I love the studio. Um, <laughs> I might geek out at a few moments in here. <laughs> so for, forgive me, audience me- listeners. I, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff in this room. There's so distractions. There are distractions. There are shiny things in here. And I should I should maybe take a, a, a sheet and put it over my... You really, uh, yeah, collection. the next time. <laughs> Cover everything. <laughs> well, speaking of things to geek out on, um, uh, one of the things that I wanted to geek out on is... Um, so uh, in late 2000, fourth quarter 2018, uh, La La Land released their Black Friday set of, of albums, and it was a big deal. It's something that a lot of fans always look forward to and anticipate and try to make guesses on. And this was a particular uh, huge batch of, of releases. Um, one of them that I thought was fantastic was uh, The World Is Not Enough, oh. expanded uh, to CD edition. So yes, continuing the uh, the Bond uh, exploration there. Mm-hmm. So last year you did Die Another Day, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, I think you knew I was doing Die Another Day, but when we did, did the podcast, I we couldn't say. talk about right. Die Another Day. So I think I slipped. Now we can talk about it. We can it. talk about it now. I'd like and to. I, and I think last year when you were like, what, what are some of the things you want to work on? I think I duped your audience. I think I said, oh, I'd love to work on James Bond, <laughs> knowing that three weeks later after we recorded it that, you My know. timing was off. <laughs> but that but and that was something that was great so i wanted to kind of talk about you know how did it how difficult was it to even get that to come to pass you know a lot of fans sort of like oh why die another day why not start with if you're doing david arnold tomorrow never dies like you know is there anything you can share about well I, it's sort of a general sense uh, uh regarding starting with die another day it's because of the relationships um la la land records has a relationship with mgm the you know film owner, mm-hmm. distributor. And the original album for Die of the Day was on Warner Brothers. Well, La La Land Records has a relationship with Warner Records as well. So that was a nice intersection. We could just say we'll license new stuff from MGM, mm-hmm. license the album. And it was just it was it just made a lot of sense that we could start with that one and and uh, work with Eon and they can see what these albums are and mm-hmm. start something like that. So that's why we did Die Another Day first. Uh, and and we'd been talking about doing that one for a long time. I remember having discussions about Die Another Day right around the fiftieth anniversary of Bond, so twenty twelve. Oh, we were talking about Die Another Day, and then finally in twenty fifteen, at the La La Land holiday party, so December twenty fifteen, Michael Gerhard of La La Land was like, oh, you know, next year 
we're going to do Titanic. We're going to do Die Another Day. And I was like, wait, what? We're, wait, we're, we're really going to do Die Another Day? And then we, so we wound up, I wound up working on Die Another Day and Titanic at the same time. And I, they didn't go with my suggestion, but I thought it would be great to have a flyer that just had icebergs on it. And it was just like, look, we've got Die Another Day and we've got Titanic coming out. Same because icebergs figure prominently in both films. Real missed opportunity. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, sometimes you have these great ideas and no one can, no one shares your vision. <laughs> and now you and, and David Arnold, composer David Arnold, was involved in oh, the in the album every step of the way. Okay, for the most part, he um, MGM. My recollection on Dino Day was they had twenty four track tape on it, and Dino Day is an incredibly complex score where they would record things. They he would write things out and then transcribe them backwards, huh. re- record them backwards, and then play them back backwards. So now they were coming out the way he wanted it to be, but it was recorded. It was, like, it was and uh, and then there were overlays and you know synths and everything, and it was just like. Yeah, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. What else is there? Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have stereo dats? Stereo dats are good. And they were like, no. Turns out David had the entire uh, score, uh, something like 13 reels of tape. Wow. Uh, it was unedited, uh, but it was all mixed. Oh, wow. Of, of, of the takes on Die Another Day. And then it was like, okay, how do we get it transferred? Do we have a place to get it? This is, this is funny. It's like, oh, let, let's, we, now we have to research because he's in England. Like, let's research facilities that can transfer it. And David kindly said, well, why don't I just take it downstairs or whatever, wherever it was? Because apparently his office is in the same place where they can tra- where it was recorded. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I was like, oh, they have, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, why don't we do that? That That's a good idea. So so we had, and it was, it was terrific working with them. You know, I'd never met the people, but we corresponded. Mm-hmm. Um, I never met David, hmm. but we corresponded. We Skyped. Uh, you know, it was like, well, here's, you know, here's the master, here's the track list. What do you think? I want to do, you know, I, I had certain things that I wanted to do. Yeah. I was curious in terms of the collaborating on the presentation, like, you know, your ideas versus his ideas and how to present the music alternate versions or film versions. Like, you know, you, you, did you, and for the most part, you, were you lined up on? Yeah. How to yeah. Um, it's gotten sort of, I don't know if, if, if a lot of soundtrack collectors, are paying attention or noticing, um, but things are getting a little bit more structured on these releases, and it's it's partly because we're you know the, the record labels are getting a little bit more uh, you know I don't, I don't want to say hands on but involved, and you know the licensors are getting more involved, and so we've really at least it feels like to me that we're really. It used to be in like the Wild West days, it feels like we would sort of just like, well, that was the old album. Mm-hmm. We're doing the new album. And it to hell with what they did. Not that I ever actually said that, but I'm just it's just <laughs> just an idea of like of like, well, they had, you know, the, the composer or whatever had their say mm-hmm. with the album. Now it's, you know, now people want the full score. But now we're sort of taking a step back and going, well, maybe we have to honor what was done, which is fine. So in the case of something like, uh, pretty much any album at this point that I'm working on, I'm I'm making a conscious decision to include an album version on there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes within the score, I mean, and when I say album version, you know, maybe a, a slightly different performance, maybe a slightly different mix, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to keep things in line. You know, the labels want to know what do we own, what does the studio own, and we've you know we're doing these incredibly complex spreadsheets now that that break down you know minutes and seconds. Hmm. This is this was on the original album. This you know this piece in the middle here was on the original album. This part was not you know this sort of thing. So in the case of Die Another Day, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to stick with the album versions in sequence. 
that's my rule. I am sticking with the album versions in sequence. And then, and then you know, we could put all the film versions at the end. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense, too, because, again, the album version, the, the studios, or the label in this case, will specifically own the album version. In, in the case of like Die Another Day, there's a track, um, some, some Kind of Hero... And what we have in the main score presentation is a track called Some Kind of Hero. And then in the additional music, we have Some Kind of Hero in parentheses film version. And the reasoning there is Warner Brothers Records owns a track from Die Another Day called Some Kind of Hero. It's not called Some Kind of Hero album version. It's literally called Some Kind of Hero. I have to have that on this record Mm -hmm. with that name attached to it. And if there's a difference... That's when you amend it with film version, alternate version. So, what's happening with these albums is that's what we're doing. We are taking the, we are keeping, we are retaining the album versions, and we're not giving them different names. We are sticking with album titles, and you're you're seeing that on a lot of albums, not not just you know the Bond albums. That's right. just, and that's sort of the new inline thinking that we're doing on these things. And 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 it's it's a shame in the case of of uh, of the bond down because sometimes david Arnold has has really clever titles that we can't use because the album already had a different title so oh, but uh i mean yeah so uh if you look at the end of of die another day uh there's antonov gets it money penny gets it and then we have a track called going down together we kept going down together because that was the title on the original album mm-hmm. but david had another fun title about somebody getting it at the end so but it was like oh we we, we, we can't use that so I grew up with James Bond films, and I love James Bond films. It's like my favorite franchise, and it was just it was just a thrill to be like, oh, I'm actually going to get to work on a James Bond. It's pretty great. <laughs> so so, and then I didn't realize how much work it was going to be. <laughs> I thought, well, it's all stereo, and it's thir- you know, what's the big deal? But then it was 13 reels of tape. I went, oh, there's, it's all unedited. <laughs> so that was time consuming. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It's what I do. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I I was just sort of I, I wasn't prepared for six and a half hours of material or so to cut down to a 98 minute score wow so and then and as far as like so that relationship that fostered or that began you know in die another day you're able to continue with the world is not enough yeah um and any is sort of sort of the same sort of setup i mean again did, did david arnold have the reels that he or the tapes that he no this this was a different one um he had he has material on the world is not enough but it was in uh, you know, it was 1999. That's the dark ages for computers, right? <laughs> I don't know, but it was in, it was in an older format. Okay. And we were like, oh, he, he even he was like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, okay, let me see what MGM has on this one. And thankfully, they had the whole thing on Dats. 
Okay. So again, every take, but it was mixed in stereo. So we had it all. Um, and uh, transferred it. And I, I have a funny story about that. Uh, there was on one of the dats, they, it was like, I think it was a pre record session. They, they recorded the casino source cues. And then suddenly this demo version comes on of Only Myself to Blame. The entitled song for. Right. For, yeah. Right. Yep. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I, 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 I was like, this is great. So I, I emailed David. I said, David, I've, I've transferred the dats. I found this demo version. Do you recall who the singer is? Because I'd love to include this if we can get in touch with the singer and get permission to do it. And he went, yeah, it's me. <laughs> I know, so you do know. <laughs> From city to city, I still see your face. It follows me round. place I shouldn't look back but I do just the same and I've only myself to blame and then later on he found his demo for the world is not enough the title song he said this is what would have been sent to Michael yeah. G. Wilson and, and Barbara Broccoli. Oh, okay. And we're like, let's put it on there. So. I was curious in terms of yeah, with you know the album includes a lot of you know great surprises, uh, but the the his own vocal version, his own vocal demo versions of the songs, I did not expect. They're terrific. Um, yeah, they really are great. Yeah. Um, and I didn't expect so. Like at that point, I mean, would we know like his his demo version of the title song? Had they already contracted an artist at that point? I don't know. Okay, I, I'm curious. Like, what, at what point in the timeline would he have recorded it and sent it to uh, Broccoli for approval? Yeah, you know, where they've already signed Garbage to seeing you know the song itself. As far as presenting roles, not enough on disc, and and I guess I'm trying to think of an example from Die Another Day, but like certain things that I found interesting. One in particular, there's a Q submarine. World is not enough, and on the original album, it was one giant, like 10 minute cue. Mm-hmm. You guys split it in half. Any particular, yeah, the the, the reason why I did that, well, and, and and we present again, we present the, the film or the album version on there as submarine, right. so it's included. The reason why I didn't combine them for the long version or for the f- film version or whatever you want to call it is the point where they would were combined together on the original album. That's where the extra music was. <laughs> oh, they cut out the opening of Submarine Number Two. Yeah, it's the first it's like few seconds, twenty seconds or something. Right. Yeah, they cut out that part, and then so I listened to it combined. I was like, it doesn't work. It, like musically, this doesn't work. That's why they cut it and put it together. <laughs> I, I understand their decision. Their decision made sense. So, but we we were you know this album is the you know the expanded. So mm-hmm. I had to step. I separated them and. That's why, because it just didn't, it didn't work for me. It's interesting though. Thinking those those they were probably recorded separately. Absolutely, though, as they well. were. Oh, absolutely. Yes, they were two separate compositions. And so it was really David separately. Arnold who decided in '99, I'm going to cut that out. Yep. Combine these, and there's one track. There you go. And it was a beautiful. I love that track. Thank you. 
Now, and, and and then again, that's the situation of dealing with the composer is that you. I mean, I guess would Arnold be the final say so? Oh, absolutely. Okay. The, yeah, absolutely. You know, there were there were times more on World Is Not Enough than Die Another Day where he was like, "This track um, could be shorter." I'm like, "You're right." Oh, this track, I don't want it on there. It was a bonus thing. Don't worry about it. Clearly, it was a bonus <laughs> thing because because there's nothing missing from the score. But right. there was I had I had I had a bonus thing. He's like, "I don't want it." I went. Okay. <laughs> it's fascinating, you know, though. Yeah. I, I was curious to know, like, what were some of his, you know, uh, not demands, but, like, what did he dictate to you that, like, not to include or... No, there was never really anything like that. Um, it was, a, it was a pre, you know, pretty good, you know... I, I said, here's what I would like to do, you know. Uh, I'd like to present the score this way. And mm-hmm. It was fine, and then we got a master. I, sent, I said, here's our first master. What do you think? And... Uh, he said, oh, I have, you know, concerns here, here, here. We addressed them, and that was that. Now, and hopefully uh, there will be more collaborations with him in the future. I hope I, so. I, yeah. um, you know, when we finish Die Another Day, I mean, I, I did call the last track, James Bond will return. <laughs> but I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't. Um, we did Die Another Day, and that was it. And then in the middle of April, I got an email. It's like, oh, you can do World's Not Enough. I went, okay, great. Well, thank you for that. Sure, I just, of course. You know, I, I was hoping to get some stories behind both of those. Yeah, I'm ha- happy, happy to talk about them. I love that uh, both discs have gun barrels on them, on, on the disc art. Absolutely. I, I like yeah, the-, the look of it, the art that you guys, the, the your your focus on the you know, just the design of it uh, is really well done. Yeah, thank you. That That's Dan Goldwasser. Who's, who's our art director on it, and, and another good collaboration where it's like, oh, that's good, that's good, let's do this now. And, you know, so. And am I correct that you also named the last track on World Is Not Enough? Or the end credits? I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Orbis non sufficit. Uh, Latin for... The World Is Not Enough. Another of the big releases that you guys had um, for your the La La Land Black Friday releases was Die Hard. Well, uh, yeah, uh, Die Hard was. Uh, you know, oh, I guess you're right. Die Hard was out before Black Friday. Two weeks I, I before. Apologize. At one point, it might have been a Black Friday. It was sort of on the yeah, but yes, Die Hard. Die Hard within the month of November. Within the month of November, <laughs> you're right. Still fourth quarter, 2018. Absolutely, and and probably bundled with a lot of Black Friday orders. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess that's true. Was, um, was 30th anniversary of Die Hard. Yes. So, and I was so. Um, first question, I guess, why? I you know, <laughs> I mean it's 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 a fantastic three CD set. It pretty much is now the definitive. When I had thought the your previous two CD set was the definitive, can't improve on that. <laughs> this is it. So was the reasoning the thirtieth anniversary or something else? 
It's so complex. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to? I'll tell you. Uh, I'll I'll tell you most of it. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, we all thought Die Hard was lost. The the, the original elements. The, I yeah. Guess? Okay. Yeah. So what was the two CD from? The two CD that came out in 2011 was reissued in 2017. Was from a, a partially complete DAT. Okay. Stereo mixes. It was not the entire score. So we supplemented that from a mono music stem. It's all we had. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, we can't find anything. So then in 2017, there was a question about some paperwork on Die Hard. Huh. And I didn't have the paperwork. Mike Mattesino didn't have the paperwork. So we called up Fox. And they didn't have, they couldn't find the paperwork. But they're like, well, we have this hard drive. And we're like, wait, you have a hard drive? <laughs> What is this hard drive of Die Hard you speak of? Because <laughs> you don't have anything on Die Hard. Oh, you have a hard drive. So within two hours, the hard drive is at my studio, <laughs> plugged in. I went, oh, man. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> it was everything. It wow. was the 32-track digital Die Hard. It was... 35 millimeter mag die hard of uh, stereo mi- of uh, four track mixes. It was a quarter inch of die hard. So, so I went through it and it was 32 tracks and it wasn't labeled. Hmm. Like I didn't know, like I knew what the music was because mm-hmm. it would say, you know, one M1 take whatever. And sure enough, there's the main title. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right there. But none of the individual 32 tracks, like, is this the left channel? Is this the center channel? What is this? None of that was labeled. Uh And it took some time to figure out what it was, you know, what went where. And I finally determined that tracks one through six were left, center, right, surround, and two overlays. And when I lined that up to our previous release, it matched verbatim, Hmm. which means that our incomplete stereo dat was a layoff of tracks one through six of this 32 track. Tracks 25 through 32 were also six track mixes, and that was all the remaining stuff. Huh. Oh, why wasn't the main title on the dat? Well, it wasn't on tracks one through six. It was on tracks 25 through whatever. Huh. And I went, oh, so once I got that all, I was like, here is everything. This mm-hmm. is the whole thing now. We've got the whole. We've got stuff no one's ever heard. We've got the climax to the movie. What do we do with this? We just put this record out again. Yeah, I was curious. Was there what? any internal debate of like? Oh uh, sure. You know. And so, the decision was made. We were going to put Die Hard out on a three platter vinyl set. And so Mike Mattesino did. You know, I, I sent him all this stuff. And we were just going to put the score out and uh, Ode to Joy mm-hmm. for the end credits and uh, let it snow, let it snow, mm-hmm. let it snow. So it's going to be the score plus those two end title cues. Mm-hmm. And so we built it out. We had sides ready to go. I had contacted a mastering engineer. Hmm. And then the decision was made, no, no, we want this on C day. I went, Okay.
Here you go. Two CD set. What do you think? Great. Wonderful. This is a great set. Let's get it mastered. We've got it mastered. Everybody loved it. Sent it to the Cayman Estate. And like, this is great. We want more bonus stuff. <laughs> Put this, 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 this on there. Okay. <laughs> We're going to three CDs now because there's no room for that other stuff. So now we went to three CDs on Die Hard. So in June of last year, Die Hard was a three-platter LP set. And it slowly turned into a three CD kitchen sink wow. release. And it is. It's it's a, it, I one of the you know, things was why three CDs, you know, but it's because it seemed like everything would fit on two CDs. But there is more, you know, versions of, of things. Uh, at, at one point, I had thought, would you know, this is a big anniversary release. Why don't we get John McTiernan? This was just an idea of mine. I was like, why don't we just get John McTiernan to write an introduction to this? Wouldn't that be cool? And then it was like. Oh, what's he going to write? Enjoy all the music I cut from the movie. <laughs> so, so that that idea, I didn't, you know, I didn't really pursue that idea because that's what the th- you know, that's what this comes down to is, and we we write about it in there is like that was a score that was heavily altered. Yeah, in the film. Yeah, it's it's amazing what was written and uh and the surprises you know for things that I didn't think had music. Um, the shoot the glass sequence is the, was the first thing that, yep. uh, again, it's, of course, I, it, not knowing like, you know, what the process was behind the scenes, like, you know, was there something just written and discarded or it was like, don't worry, we're just going to track this sequence. Don't write anything. Right. Uh, who'd have known? And that, that cue syncs perfectly because, oh, okay. because the ending that whoa, whoa, at the end of the yeah. cue, that's part of it. That's yeah. the, pretty much the only thing that survives, that survives. but yeah. if you line up that ending, it starts right when Carl shows up it's, and starts machining, machine gunning up the place. It's just fascinating because then, you know, Cayman, you know, being smart to like think, oh, I wrote this cue. I'd like to use it. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't want it to go to waste. Brings it back for Die Hard 2. And 3. And 3. And and I, I thought, you know, what did we know? I thought it was written for 2. Same. And it was one of my favorite cues from 2. It was yeah. during the shootout and the C4. I was like, this is great. I love this cue. Yeah. And then, uh, again, when I got this material, I went, oh, <laughs> he wrote it for this. Here it is. just like the decisions that no one will ever know McTiernan's mind on this but it's sort of like what was wrong with it yeah I don't I mean, know there's, he, he tracks in some of the same cues over and over in Die Hard like he fell in love with the few cues that yep. came and wrote and he's like I'm gonna use that five times 
Um, it works. You can't argue that the movie's effect not effective. The movie's totally effective. It, it is absolutely. It's just hard to judge the music from watching the movie. Yeah, it is. Um, it's the same thing with James Cameron's films. I think with something like Aliens or The Abyss, it's sort of like they get the music gets chopped up, so you can't walk away. Oh, I didn't think the score was effective. It's like, well, you're not really getting it as intended. Right. Yeah. Titanic's the same way. Titanic is. Yeah. When I got Titanic, I had all the material in that, but I also had the actual reels pro tool sessions of the reels and i just took a look at it. i was like oh my god <laughs> all the, look at all the cutting and <laughs> oh my god. yeah oh yeah i saw i saw it all there i was wow. like man that's that's a skill <laughs> i don't have that skill so um but yeah so for Die Hard, it's it's fascinating to actually have a complete score from cayman mm-hmm. as he originally wrote it from start to finish including music for hans gruber's death mm-hmm. and um uh, Powell, the uh, the cop shooting. Isn't that, um, isn't that interesting? It's fascinating. I mean, I get there. It, it's it's more of a downbeat cue. Um, I like I like that it ties in with uh, the melodic material earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. So he really makes it, and he sort of bookends the movie. Yes, yeah, that is. You're talking about the the, the Holly and yeah. Johnson. Yeah, I, I like that very much. But the aliens cue is kind of perfect in the sort movie. of i never thought it actually fit as well i'm probably the outlier in that oh, really? regard and maybe it's because i knew because you knew aliens. it yeah. even though it's not let's let's also say that that cue is not used in aliens it's true <laughs> that's another film that's had his music rearranged I you mentioned know. james cameron it's, yeah so the, so the aliens cue written for aliens not in aliens in Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to have in some movie somewhere Fine, but yeah i remember watching it just going like wait what the first time you watch it you're like wait what is this doing here i know what this is yeah and it but it was like stylistically it doesn't sound no, like the rest of the it score. does not i mean the john scott piece kind of kind could of, work yeah, yeah but but, but the the aliens cue for me just stylistically stands out from anything else that came and wrote for it yeah um but it's great to have it's it really would have completely changed the ending i think it wouldn't have been as uh stand up in your seat and cheer kind of moment mm-hmm. it's more of a i'm gonna rub my chin and think about this <laughs> kind of moment it, i don't know it, it it really colors the end differently yeah 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 it's it's and you, you've got to imagine that the the temp. If you li- I don't know if you listen to a temp or not, but you've got to imagine that those cues were on the temp. Had to be. They had to be. Yeah. So so you sort of knew the direction that they wanted. And he didn't really follow that. It's got to be it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel with this presentation of Die Hard, this is definitive? I have to be done with Die Hard <laughs> <laughs> until we do the vinyl release. Of course, <laughs> happy to go back and do it. <laughs> But th- it's been a real treasure trove. It was uh, but, of music. Yeah, yeah, totally. And 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 then 
terrific quality. Yeah, I it mean, sounds it, fantastic. It, it, it sounds better than it ever has. I never thought it would sound this good. I mean, even as far back as the initial Varese Saraband release. That, that, that's what people and and you also have to understand. You know, I sort of lost perspective because I was listening to this thing all the time. So when it was announced, it was like, is, does it sound better? And I'm like. Yeah, I think it does, but I didn't, I didn't want to commit at that point because I, 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 you, you just, you, I just lost perspective. I didn't realize how much better it really did sound. The other, I didn't, um, I couldn't recall as far as the other um, Land of the Giants. Yes, um, was another one that was a huge surprise um, and a wealth of material there. Tons of material. <laughs> what was it like on that? Working through that one, you've got two seasons worth, right? It's a two-season show. Um, Jeff Bond was my co-producer on that one. He's really the Erwin Allen expert. Mm-hmm. He's writing a book, or I think it's it's written. It's probably going to get published soon. Right. Um, all about Erwin Allen, and he's always wanted to do these sets. And on this one, so we, we had the material. It took a while. We had season one, and then it took a while to get season two because it had to be all transferred, and it was 50-year-old mag that was not in the best condition. Mm-hmm. And my engineer even sent me. It's like where you know. It's like where is this? Where is because we want to come out in November and it's June and I don't have anything yet. Uh, wow. where, where is this? Where are we? And he sent like here's a video of it going through the machine. I'm like, oh, I see why <laughs> this is taking so long. Because what should be perfectly flat going through a machine was all warped and wobbly. And he said it looked like wow. lasagna. He's not kidding. It looked like lasagna going through here. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once we got all that, I really handled. Not so much the creative end, more the technical end. So I would go through and send Jeff MP3s of everything we had. Literally every everything every we original had. Original score written for an episode. Yeah. Okay. And I said, let's whittle this down to four discs. Keeping in mind, the Alexander Courage rejected score has already been released. And the John Williams score has been released as well. We have to include those in, in totality. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because we can't, yeah. So we have to build off of that. And he came back with his suggestions. I timed it out. I prepared my spreadsheet of everything for this organized by episode and date. And, and we, we, you know, there, there's many different ways that you can do these mm-hmm. collections. You could present, you know, complete scores. But if you, we knew it was going to be a four CD set. Okay. We were locked into four CDs. That's what the label wanted. So we could do that or we could, you know, represent every score. In the case of, uh, you know, I did another multi-CD set, the three-CD set. I did Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. which had a lot of the same composers, by the way, as Land of the Giants. Uh, you yeah, know, Richard Robert, LaSalle. Richard LaSalle, Robert Prince, Artie Kane. Yeah. Um, in the case of that collection, I was like, I want every composer represented, mm-hmm. not necessarily every score. First of all, it couldn't be every score because we couldn't find season one on Wonder Woman. In Land of the Giants... The scores couldn't be complete because we were limited to four discs, and a lot of the stuff, sadly, didn't survive. Ah. Um, we we had you know, but we had enough that we could fill four CDs. Mm-hmm. And so Jeff listened. I said, you know, anything that's beyond repair, we're cutting that. You know, um, but I need something. You know, let's go with what's musically interesting, mm-hmm. and and you know, we'll make sure that every episode is represented here, and that's what we did. Yeah. 
it's different than like the so was it two years ago that Lost in Space your your Lost in Space set came out? Was it fifteen maybe? Twenty fifteen? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe because so um, for anyone that wasn't aware of this one, La La Land released uh, a fifteen disc set. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, music from the six, 1960s Lost in Space, which ran three seasons, um, and that in that situation, it's a complete scores for every episode yeah. that had an original score plus library tracks. Yeah. Well, again, and and if you listen to it, it sounds really good because it all survived and it was all in good condition. Yeah, I was gonna say the difference there is just it survived and Land of the Giants really didn't. You know. Uh, yeah. I, I, you, you can't explain this stuff, and and, and sometimes it's really. Sometimes it's always hard. it's always heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, um, when something doesn't survive, and you're like, "How does this not survive?" And, yeah. and 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 it's not always like I under you know. There's different degrees, I guess, of you know success, and sometimes there's like a super successful movie for a studio, and it's just in rotten shape, mm-hmm. and it breaks your heart. You're like, "What? This was your." Big blockbuster, man! What right? You, Why treat it so badly? Well, it's, it's not even. It's not even. You know, they didn't treat it badly. It's just. It's just the compounds didn't hold up, and it is just. It's, it is. It is heartbreaking. Sometimes it was heartbreaking on Land of the Giants, um, the season two main title by John Williams. It doesn't survive. Yeah. Um, we have. We put it out from a stem because so it has some sound effects on it. I had the mag. I had it. I listened to it. About five seconds, it was great. <laughs> and then it just degraded. You could hear it going away. Wow. And it just it just died. Wow. And it was just like, oh my God, this is this is a John Williams main title. Yeah. And it's really good. <laughs> yeah. You don't get a lot of them. Um, yeah. And you want to preserve all of the things Absolutely. that he, that he composed. So, and that is a sad fact. It was, um, it was, heart, it was heartbreaking. interesting to, to hear because I, I think you know the, the set seems representative and I don't know the show that well um, mm-hmm. I mean I, I'm sort of casually familiar with it's it it's on Hulu yeah, yeah. And, and, and enough of the Irwin I mean I grew up with enough of the Irwin Allen stuff in syndication that I remember watching at with Lost in Space and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea but mm-hmm. um, I didn't remember a lot of the music outside of John Williams um, but there are some really great scores represented there sure um, I happen to really like the Joseph Mullendore uh, I love I love Mullendore. Yeah, I mean he did great work on original Star Trek and on Lost in, the Lost in Space set. His music on the Lost in Space set I think is is some of my favorite. Yeah. there as well. I concur. Yeah, yeah the, the Mullendore stuff is lovely. It's like Williams first, and then right below <laughs> is Mullendore. But alphabetically, <laughs> well, correct. <yeah. laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some really nice surprises in that set, mm-hmm. and I I just it's great that you guys have been able to preserve what you could. I'm I'm happy. You know, I was really delighted with it. Uh, I think it plays well. Yeah. 
Uh, it's an engaging listen. Yeah. Because uh, I had to listen to it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the notes are great. Jeff Bond's notes are really informative. I, you know, again. He's always. Ab- no, he's, he always does great notes. I just yeah. learned a lot more than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, maybe that's something that you guys have done these two shows. You know, hopefully in the future there'll be others uh, for Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And what am I forgetting? Time tunnel. Time tunnel. God. Time tunnel. Um, and then that case, we have a John Williams score. So if yeah. you guys ever work on that, that would be great. Well, Goldsmith was on Voyage, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. So as far as like heavy hitters, they're there. Yeah, they're there. A, so a huge we'll, reason, yeah, uh, to dive into those. Hopefully, yeah. dive in the Voyage to the Bottom uh, of the Sea. Yeah. I knew what I was saying. I knew <laughs> that was planned, right? Actually, I didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> Own it. All right, I'll try. Own it. You planned it. <laughs> Um, so another thing that I wanted to, to ask about is that um, th- this year there was uh, an LP from Mondo. There was an LP uh, edition of Danny Elfman's Batman. <laughs> so <laughs> that thing is there a story? There's always a <laughs> to story to share about that release. <laughs> yes. Oh, Batman! I love Batman. <laughs> that seems to be the never-ending project uh you and batman seem to keep coming back to we, each other we did batman in 2010 <laughs> i heard batman tapes being transferred by john davis johnny d davis mm-hmm. and i said oh i know this music <laughs> i was like the priest in amadeus <laughs> yes i know that and <laughs> that's charming and so i was like oh la land is i i know this music and i know who's putting this out so me being young and ambitious, <laughs> called the record label and said, hey, I heard Batman tapes being transferred. I love the score. I know the score. I'd be great to produce this for you. And I said, that's really nice of you, Neil. We already have a producer on it. And I went, great. Well, if anything comes up, let me know. Happy to help out. Love the score. And it turns out things came up and they didn't have the whole score. And they were like, do you know where we could maybe find some of this? And I was like, well, let me see what we can do. And I wound up finding a stereo music stem. But again, this is 1989's Batman. It's like the biggest film of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers' biggest hit. Why can't we find this? But we found something, and we put out an album in 2010. And it was sort of pieced together from quarter-inch tape, uh, 35-millimeter mag, and the stem. But we had it. And we're like, here it is. And about two years later, I was fumbling around in the music department at Warner Brothers, just going through Dad's probably on some other project, probably Lethal Weapon or something. <laughs> and I found these Dats, and I'm like, well, we didn't have these. What's on this? And suddenly, it was more material. It was better sounding material, not necessarily more material, but it was better sounding. And I went, oh, that's that's sort of a heart. That's, that's, that's a bummer. I would have liked to have had this dad mm-hmm. when we when we did our set. That would have been nice. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, I got it transferred and was like, well, maybe something will happen someday. Who knows? And then something did happen. They were like, well, in 2014, we're going to put Batman back out. But even prior to that, I think I'd mentioned even vinyl. And, there, and Lolly was like, oh, we don't have vinyl rights that. We think Mondo has it. So I reached out to Mondo. Again, me being ambitious. And I was like, oh, I love the score. And, and they're like, we're we think we're going to do it at some point. We're not sure. But if we do, we'll get in touch with you. And they did. But going back mm-hmm. in 2014, La La Land said, oh, we're going to put Batman back out. And I went, great. I have, let me, and, and, and we're just reissuing it. We're just reissuing it along with Batman Returns. I'm like, that's good. Let me throw this idea out at you. 
since that album came out, I found better sounding stuff. I can rebuild the album. Exact same album. Mm-hmm. Same exact album. Better sounding. And they were like, okay, let's do that. Like, okay, great. So I, so I made a better sounding Batman album. For the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were three things that I could not find. They were not on the DAT. Um, they were on the 35mm mag. And they were... They were okay. I had I asked Mike Mattesino, could you take a pass on these? It's only a few minutes. Could you take a pass at these? And he, he got them in really good shape. And great, wonderful, off we go. And then Mondo got in touch with me and said, hey, we're doing Batman. Hmm. And I went, oh, great. <laughs> Let me work on this again. And it, and it wasn't all that much to do, but I, I, I determined, I went through the paperwork that I had, and I, I made some decisions, and I noticed... I should backtrack for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, when I found the Dats at Warner Brothers in 2012, I did find two extra Batman cues oh. that were not used in the movie. They're okay. not in the film. Okay. And they total 55 seconds. <laughs> and I wanted to sneak them on the 2014 album. And we had discussed it. We're like, no, 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 no. It has to be the exact the same. Exact same. Like, okay, fine. They're not in the movie. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. But then we got to do the the record for Mondo, and I went, oh, I can sort of play with things here now. We're not locked into anything. Mm-hmm. So I took those two extra cues and put them on. And, <laughs> and then I also found out a way to, to improve the sound a little bit even more for that mag stuff that I wasn't happy with. So, yes, we just did a new Batman album, and I'm, I'm very – pleased with it um i'm happy with the sequencing mm-hmm. um there's two extra the 55 seconds so it's on there and um i think it sounds i have to thank mondo for putting up with me <laughs> um <laughs> i was not happy with some of the test pressings at first and i was like we need to redo this oh and they we did redo them and even even this even the the pressing plant was like oh yes we've found a problem with these masters oh, wow. we're gonna recut i was like oh good it's, it's not me i'm not crazy and if you it, the problem with that set is the problem. This, everybody should have this problem. It sold out like that. You know, right. two thousand copies just flew out the door. You got one, right? Uh yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> and uh, do you like the fifty-five seconds? Or have, have you not had a chance to listen yet? I don't think I actually was able to identify. Oh, okay. So, oh, funny. Oh. Yeah, uh, I'm a bad fan. No, how dare you? <laughs> uh, it sold out. It's just interesting as far as like continuing to, to revisit a project like this, and it's different every time. It is, um, and it is. Uh, you know, you kind of you figure like, when am I done with this? Well, you know? I, I have thought about. I was like, well, why don't we do a thirtieth anniversary? I mean, it's it's thirty years old this year. Yeah, we could do a thirtieth anniversary CD, but the the Elfman uh, Batman collection that Lolian put out the four disc set mm-hmm. is still in stock, and oh, it still okay. and it still sounds terrific. And yeah, and so. You know, barring the fifty-five seconds of 
un- unused music. <laughs> it's not used in the movie. You're not familiar with it. It goes right by you when you listen to the record. Apparently, it's a, it's like a twelve, it's like a fifteen second cue called "Board Meeting," which plays before "Roasted Dude." Okay, and then there's one called uh, "Vicky Hides the Film." That's what they are. They're they're very brief cues. Okay. And I, I, but I'm thrilled with the record. I, I've I've listened to it. Um, I think it's a, del- a wonderful pressing now, mm-hmm. and it sounds it's, it's the best it's ever sounded. You know, to me, it's just interesting for collectors to be able to have a different experience in the editions that have been released. I know and it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. Um, but again, we're talking about Die Hard. It's the same kind of. It's, it's something about the late '80s, and I don't know what it is. A weird time of transition. Uh, could, it could be. Audio, you know, it could be. And digital and yeah. they're still kind of like mucking things up as they figure it out. Yeah, so, so cataloging, I don't know. I still have never found the scoring masters for Batman. Even on this project when I've sort of reopened things and, mm-hmm. and called stuff in, we they were like, they said, oh, we found one-inch mono masters. Now, if you know anything about tapes... There is no such thing as a one-inch mono master. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's an intriguing thing. Let's call that in. Well, it was one-inch 32-track masters. Ah. And I went, oh, I've never had digital scoring masters on Batman. Could this be it? First of all, what I really thought it was going to be was like a three-track analog set mm-hmm. of the whole score, which would have been delightful. And like, well, here it is finally. But it was not. It was three reels of 32-track unmixed digital. And I took a complete log of what it was. And when I looked at it and went oh these are the selected takes for the album these are the these are all the cues that sean murphy remixed for the original album so not really anything new here <laughs> the original masters are still missing that's so uh, weird isn't it weird yeah i don't it's weird um wow. i would assume that that was probably I, I wanted to sort of also ask about your personal and professional highlights of uh, 2018 um I, I guess we've kind of been through a number of them whether they were bond or ah you were thinking of Alien Three. Elliot Goldenthal's score for Alien Three was another surprise release yeah. from this year. People never thought that that would ever come out. Kept their mouth shut. <laughs> um, how was that? Something again, long in gestation. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it's funny. It's Die Hard related. Suddenly, we had this hard drive for Die Hard. Uh huh. Like, where did this come from? You know. So Mike Matasino was like, "Do you have a hard drive for Alien 3? <laughs> like. As a matter of fact, we did. <laughs> like what? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So just found alongside, just. Yeah, I guess you asked the right person, and wow, here these things are. Like, yeah, we had no idea, and I was like, well, this is it. This is Alien Three. That's and again, it's another incredible way to sort of like dive into Goldenthal's, you know, scores. Which he really, in a way, does what Williams does with his albums in terms of reconfiguring them and combining cues and making it a, a mm-hmm. album listening experience. But it doesn't often resemble what you hear. No, the, it doesn't. But finish. it's really cool, especially especially in uh, Alien Three. This is cool. The end of the movie. I'm going to spoil it for everyone. <laughs> when they douse the alien with the water, and those violins play. You know, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That was an overlay. <laughs> But, ah. but on the original album, it's discreet. It's just played by itself. Yeah. But in the film, it's an overlay to the orchestra playing. <laughs> 
And it's funny, again, like one of those things, like I, I knew, I, I sort of was aware of it, but like, eh, I don't know what, the, you know, what what's, was. What's going on here? Yeah, it's just, it was an overlay, but on the album, it's played discreet as its own thing. And it's great. It is. It's, it's a wonderful album. Yeah. And it's fascinating, again, to get all the other little bits and pieces that are mm-hmm. there and to, and to hear it sort of developed. Um, I mean, that was sort of a game changer. That's what brought Goldenthal to my attention. Me, I mean, me too. I, you know, wasn't as familiar with Pet Cemetery or Drugstore Cowboy prior to that. Um, but that, you know, really put him on the map. Yeah, Alien 3 was was uh, was was my uh, gateway into his music. I yeah. His music. And, it, you know, it's silly, but I love that the Fox fanfare yeah. goes into the main title now. <laughs> that was really fun to do. Yeah. yeah. If you're not familiar with Alien 3, Goldenthal recorded his own version of the Fox fanfare, and it, it slowly dissolves into the main title, and it just... You have to open the album with that. You can't not open the album with yeah. that. I mean, Goldenthal could when he did his album. Yeah, I understand you don't want the Fox fanfare right. opening your, <laughs> your you know, 40-minute album. But for the expanded, we, I, I was really happy that we got to include that. Yeah. And it, it's really cool because it, it's, it's mono. It's literally on the tapes, mixed mono. mono. Absolutely. I found on the multi-track, and it was like, it's mono. And wow. uh, But then it slowly opens out into stereo. I think when I listened to it with my headphones, I did actually pick yeah. up on that. Yeah, it does. And then it goes right into the main title. It's super cool. So I was, really I was happy about it. Yeah, so Alien 3 uh, is now available, and it's terrific. Yeah, that's a good one. I And I was just curious, you know, as far as, like, you know, were there other releases that came out this year that you didn't work on, though, that you were happy to see? Quartet put out a wonderful, speaking of Cayman, they put out a, a, a CD of a Cayman concert. Yeah. That was terrific. A tribute to Michael Caine. Yes. Um, it might have sold out by now. Um, yeah. It's a fantastic recording. Uh, it was done live, um, and I'm having trouble recalling the... It was done over in Spain? I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, so, uh, international uh, sort of release. But it's it's a fantastic summation, and what's amazing is they even tackle you know his, some of his action music. <laughs> Um, and it's like wonderfully no, yeah and nobody ever really tackles that in concert um, it's and uh, it was great to hear you know, it was great to hear that Lethal Weapon 2 I know yeah. I was really surprised at that <laughs>
Well, I appreciate all the work that you do um, right. on these albums. These have been great releases. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Um, yeah, it's and so hopefully we'll you know hear more either from Bond or Erwin Allen stuff or you know um, just there there's stuff coming. Um, I don't know if they're in those particular genres, but there's good stuff coming. Um, I've been busy. There's always great stuff coming from La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 yeah, so you, you, they did something unusual. Uh, obviously, they did the Superman trailer, yeah. but they also yeah. did a trailer for the Orville. Yes, that's right. I mean, who does trailers? I know. <laughs> for soundtrack albums, but they do, and so yes, uh, Orville is coming out uh, soon. Yeah, it should be in January of uh, this year. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's a two CD set music from it season is. one. Um, very much looking forward to that one. Yeah, uh, you've got Bruce Broughton, John Debney, Joel McNeely, and Andrew Cotty. Andrew Cotty. Am I pronouncing his name right? That or Cotty? Cotty? Darn it! I should have checked on that. You know, <laughs> Andrew, I apologize. <laughs> well, when that's out, then uh, maybe we can we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, and talk uh, to Dan. He produced it. Goldwasser. Oh yeah, that's true. I should get Dan on the show. Yeah, get we'll, him. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. <laughs> well, I appreciate you making time today for this. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, and hopefully we'll talk again uh, on like the next set of releases. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it in a year. We'll, okay. <laughs> we'll I'll put have, it on the calendar. I'll have way more to say about Superman. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Thanks very much. My pleasure. Thank you. So this wraps up my conversation with soundtrack album producer and editor Neil Bulk. I'd like to again thank Neil for participating and sharing details and stories from several of the very impressive soundtrack albums that he produced in 2018. You can find these albums that we discussed at La La Land Records online, uh, where they have a wealth of excellent titles to choose from, uh, from both TV and film, and and, uh, a lot of great composers. Of course, I want to thank everyone for listening today. I hope you found it uh, both entertaining and informative. Music heard in today's uh, episode included excerpts from uh, Die Another Day uh, and The World Is Not Enough, Uh, both composed by David Arnold and available on expanded editions from La La Land Records. Also, Die Hard, composed by Michael Kamen. This is specifically from the 30th anniversary remastered edition. Also, Land of the Giants. Uh, This was the season one and season two main title, both composed by John Williams. There was uh, Batman uh, from 1989, composed by Danny Elfman. And then there was also music from Alien 3, composed by Elliot Goldenthal, again also available on La La Land Records. There's music from an album called A Tribute to Michael Kamen, uh, which was actually recorded in Malaga, Spain in June 2016. Uh, The music was performed by the Malaga Philharmonic Orchestra under the baton of Pablo Urbina. And uh, it's a great album if you can find it. I think it might be sold out. This is available from Quartet Records, uh, but it might be available from secondary re- uh, retailers. Again, the, the album is called A Tribute to Michael Kamen. If you'd like to send any comments or questions, you can email the show at podcast at gmail.com. Find the blog at escortasettle.blogspot.com. On Facebook at facebook.com slash and on Twitter, at Score2SettlePod, that's Score, the number two, Settle Pod. Uh, we're also available on Spotify now, if you are a, a frequent fan of that platform. If you listen to the show by way of iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a review. That's always appreciated. Thanks again for listening. Listening.